It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you listen, I hope you're doing great today. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www. Dot Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria.com or just give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal today's show is also being brought to us in part by our next Billy C. Boxing event which is taking place at the Sea Palms Resort September 13th, 14th and 15th I know it seems a long way away but this is the one, if you've been waiting to attend, this is the one you got to go to. Uh, we are going to have some boxing former world champions, some celebrities. We're having a golf tournament, a fishing tournament. We're going to have a meet and greet. We're going to crash Sal's restaurant. We're going to uh, uh, have a memorabilia show. We're going to have some special guests. I'm even working on several presentations to be taking place. This is a three-day event that you're not going to want to miss. Drop me an email to get put on the list. Uh, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. The only thing we're not including is lodging. And the reason is there's so many opportunities and different options for you uh, between all the Golden Isles, all three, uh, and the uh, uh, city of Brunswick. So uh, we're going to leave that up to you to get the best deal possible. But hey, you want to look for a deal? Hey, stay at a Holiday Inn property because Billy C will get you a discount. That's right. If you call toll-free. 844-603-0364, you'll get a Billy C. discount on any Holiday Inn property uh, across the United States. If you can't remember the phone number like me, uh, just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the banner. It's right on the right-hand side. But uh, if you got a pencil, 844-603-0364. Make uh, your appointment and reservation today. And today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now where you're watching or listening to this show. All you got to do is go to bondsandnoble.com or amazon.com. You're looking to get a signed copy? Don't worry about it. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You want more than one copy? I love those people. Just drop me an email, billy at talking. Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. And I'll hook you up with a great deal. Um, t- 
today uh, we got some stuff going on. Uh, I want to thank everybody. I, I'm, I'm tr- I try to keep up with all the uh, the chats. Uh, you know, we're uh, we got our official chat room is up on BillyCBoxing.com. However, uh, give a shout out to all of our uh, friends in the uh, YouTube chat room. Uh, we are trying to uh, uh, become more of a a presence in the YouTube boxing community. So. Uh, we're also uh, hanging there, and we simulcast. Even though it's the the worst possible uh, version uh, of this show, a lot of people still uh, like the Facebook feed. So uh, we're on Facebook as well. Uh, just give me a second, and I will be able to respond to everybody. Uh, but uh, the first and foremost, um, I, I just want to say this. You know, I, before we get into the fight uh, news that we have, we got a bunch of things to talk about. Um, you know, today is that scheduled Deontay Wilder uh, international uh, phone teleconference, whatever. Um, you know, he, here's the thing. I, since the weekend, and actually before, but since specifically this past weekend, when Anthony Joshua beat um, Joseph Parker via a unanimous decision in front of 80,000 people in what many view as a tactical fight, um, there's only one fight in the heavyweight division right now, and that fight is Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder. You can spin it any way. Uh, you can uh, rip a page out of Bob Arum's book about marinating the fight and, and you know giving Deontay Wilder a chance to become a little more known, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but based on all my conversations with uh, fight fans like, like you guys, um, it, we're split. We're split. It's 50-50. Half the people think AJ would win. Half the people would think Deontay would win. What's better when than that? When you have uh, two fighters, you know, too often, at least uh, going up to the last couple of years, because the last couple of years we've been in a resurgence in this sport, which is, which is beautiful. Uh, but up until then... A lot of fights, eh, you, nobody, everybody knows who's going to win. There's the winner, and then there's the sacrificial lamb. When you have a fight that's, you know, people are talking about, and half the people think it's going to go one way, and half the people think it's going to go another way, well, guess what, boys and girls? That's a good fight. And that's what we have here with Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder. I say Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, all the people surrounding them, all the hands in both of their pockets, all of that stuff. Let's stop the BS, and you know what BS stands for, and let's make this fight. Make the fight now. Prove me wrong. I I predicted that this fight was not going to happen until early to mid-2019. Prove me wrong, boys and girls. Make this fight now. Boxing needs it. The heheavyweight division needs it. Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder need it because both of these guys claim that they're the best heavyweight in the world, and there's only one way to settle it, and that's get in the ring. Let's make this fight now. Joining me from St. Simons uh, is uh, my partner in crime, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, they got to stop this BS and make this fight now. They got to make it right now, Bill. And we've been saying that, and, you know, this is the only heavyweight championship fight I want to really see, and that's... uh. That says it right there. I mean, this is pathetic that they got to marinate it and do whatever they got to do and play the games and tease the fans all along. There's no other heavyweight championship fight we want to see right now, boys and girls. 
this is the one that's going to shake the uh, the boxing world and going to get everybody's attention. So let's see them make, sign, seal, and deliver to us before the end of 2018, Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, it's really, I mean, you could spin it any way you want. Sure. But there's no real fight. Oh, uh, let, me, let me give an example. It was just announced moments ago, literally moments ago, uh, before uh, we came uh, uh, on uh, air, that the IBF has ordered Dillian White to face Cuba Pulov to earn a shot at Anthony Joshua's IBF version of the belt. Now, remember I was saying yesterday that the reason why this fight needs to take place now, we would have a unified champion, but because of mandatories, there's a good chance that, that along the way, whoever wins, whether it be AJ or, or Deontay, that they're going to lose a belt because you can't possibly keep up with all the mandatories. Well, here's an example. The part about this that I don't get is Dillian White's ranked number one by the WBC. Now, De uh, Deontay Wilder had already fulfilled his mandatory, so he has, I think, another nine months before he has to fight a WBC-ordered uh, fight. Dillian White is now ordered by the IBF, who he's actually ranked lower than he is in the WBC, to fight Cuba Pulov. Here's my feeling, though. Dillian White against Cuba Pulov, Sal, is the kinds of fights that we want to see in a division, yes. but the winners getting the top guy, which is, you know, when we have a unified champion, would be that guy. What I don't want to see is contenders fighting the, uh, I'm sorry, the, the uh, I want to see the contenders fighting other contenders like this case. I don't want to see champions fighting pretender contenders like the talk about uh, Jarrell Miller. So, I mean, realistically, Dillian White against Cuba Pulov is a good fight, Sal. Oh, I think that's a very good fight. And, you know, I, I, I also hear that, you know, Tyson Fury is still being thrown around in the mix. And, you know, no way does he deserve a world championship fight right now. But him thrown in there with these other guys, I think that's fair enough. And to see if he can get back on the bicycle, and that, that's more than fair. So, you know, there are a lot of people out there that can vie for a title shot and get themselves in a position. And uh, But the one fight that we got to see is the only fight that makes the most sense. Let's have a unification World Heavyweight Championship bout that no reasons exist why they cannot do this, their next fight out each, to have Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. That's that's it. And everybody else will fall underneath. And you know what? The winner and loser of that fight will go on to fight the residual. That's all leftovers right here. And there's plenty of leftovers and plenty of people vying for the title shot. And uh, the loser can get the scraps. The winner will get the number one. Well, you know, I, I mean, in a perfect world, you know, um, that's the way fights get made. You know, you climb the, the ladder of contenders and you earn that number one spot. But when, you know, all you got to do is look at some of these sanctioning body rankings. And when you see a number one spot that says not rated, and then you got two through 15 all filled in. You know this shenanigans. You see that even the contenders aren't legit. And I don't mean that the fighters. I'm saying the number that they're ranked in the in the sanctioned by. It's all a mosh posh of money payoffs and BS. The bottom line is this. 
I'm sick of watching Deontay Wilder screaming and yelling, telling the world or whoever will listen that the you know he wants Anthony Joshua and Anthony Joshua won't fight him. That he's scared. He won't fight him. Uh, or the other side of his rhetoric where he says. Uh, I'm the real champion. AJ's got to come to me, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, go fight a quality guy, <coughs> excuse me, like Luis Ortiz, which is the only quality guy on Deontay Wilder's uh, record. And then uh, AJ saying, oh, well, you know, uh, all he's got to do is sign the contract, sign the contract. Listen, this is what I want to see. I want to see a contract laid out, and then if the guy isn't going to sign it, meaning Deontay, Tell us why. We know that he was demanding an outrageous amount of money. It's not a 50-50 fight. Anthony Joshua, money-wise, Anthony Joshua's clearly the bigger draw. He could stay right in England and make $20 million plus every time he steps foot in the ring. You know, Deontay Wilder makes $2 million, too. So he's being foolish. He's being misadvised, misguided. He's being an idiot. The truth of the matter is, is it is worth 60-40. Now, you say 60-40, of what? That's the other part of it. When, you're, when you don't even know what the total is, how do you agree on it? Listen, if I'm Deontay Sal, I say the same thing I said months ago, that Deontay Wilder should take the $7 million that was offered, take the U.S. TV, and walk away with a second fight lined up where he can make 10 times as much. That is a substantial purse for him, Sal. He's never made anything close to that. What's your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, I, I agree. He, You know, a 50-50 uh, would be more than fair, but I think a 60-40 and then a what? And, you know, I thought he, the original, before they each had their last fight, uh, was a fair uh, split with uh, him getting all the uh, pay-per-views in the United States and the things. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, that would have been a good deal. That would have been a good meter for him to realize how many fans he does or does not have. But the bottom line is what this fight could bring to the boxing community and all the people that are going to benefit uh, monetarily speaking, you know, this is a two-fight deal. Having a rematch clause in there, these guys – these guys are going to be set, and these guys should be definitely looking to make that deal happen. Because guess what? In a fight game, boys and girls, can I use that bill, boys and girls? Um, nothing's guaranteed tomorrow. There are no guarantees. And let me tell you something. In a delicate balance of life, there are no guarantees for anybody tomorrow, let alone in a fight game. You know, there are no guarantees in anything in life, uh, especially the fight game. Uh, you know, I, I, well, here's the bottom line. The team, AJ's team, claims that Wilder really doesn't want the fight. He doesn't want the fight. He doesn't want the fight. No, he doesn't? I don't believe it. You know, I, I think he does. You know, I mean, the way he's it, uh, yelling and screaming and everything else. Now, Deontay Wilder claims that he's never seen a contract. We know that there was an offer made at one point. Now, whether it's made or not, I, I'm getting comments. And I, I'm going to give... I'm going to give him a shout-out because I respect this guy. He's in the uh, YouTube chat, uh, and he's uh, been cool about uh, hooking us up with some super chats and everything, and, and we really appreciate it. The show uh, uh, could use that. But the truth of the matter is my man Scholar says with Deontay, it's not about the money. As much as I 
respect uh, scholar of boxing because he he knows he's he's in, he seems to know uh, 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 you know enough about the sport. He's totally wrong there. It's all about the money with Deontay. They have they are looking for huge money until they get it. They're going to claim they haven't gotten the fight and that AJ is ducking them. It's all about the money. Sal, I got to take a break. Hold that thought because <laughs> I, I think it is all about the money with Deontay. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking of being with us, don't forget about uh, our big event, September 13th, 14th, and 15th at the Sea Palms Resort on St. Simons Island. Uh, off the Georgia coast, you're not going to want to miss this one. It's going to be uh, our best yet. Three days of activities, man. Drop me an email if you want to get put on the list. Billy at Tuckin Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Sal, I think it's all about the money. There's people in the different chat rooms saying that it's not. Uh, what do you What do you think? Well, you know, Bill, for me, uh, you know, it was... It was it's something I, I I think Deontay Wilder uh, it is sure he wants some money uh, and I don't blame him you know here he sees an opportunity to fight for 10 20 million possibly and uh, I'm sure that's a big incentive but the bottom line is I really believe that Deontay Wilder just wants this fight I think he wants it more than AJ at this point and uh, I just can understand that uh, you know he'll do what he has to do Without just throwing 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 himself and selling himself to himself too short, um, because you know, remember that little book we used to read as kids: "Do what you love, and the money will follow." <laughs> and you know, that's uh, that's the passion, that's the believability, and that's the confidence that uh, some champions do have. However, you know, they don't want to sell themselves short because they know they do bring some value. But for Deontay Wilder, I think it's a combination. But I think. Uh, um, he should make this fight no matter what for to, to put everybody uh, in their place and, and quiet down the rhetoric and uh, let the best man win. That's all I could say. The money will follow, boys and girls. The money will follow. You know, a lot of people get caught up uh, in Deontay Wilder's uh, rhetoric. Um, it sounds like you. It sounds like you are too, uh, because you know you you make the the comment that you think he wants it more. Both of these guys want it more. I mean, Anthony Joshua has clearly stated the same as Deontay that he wants to be the main heavyweight. They both say they want to be the main heavyweight. The only way that that can happen is if they fight each other. I mean, you know, we're not talking about a, a, a purse that you know one guy's getting a million and the other guy's getting a, a, you know five thousand. We're talking about the potential of making seven million or ten million on 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 the low end for Deontay. You know, uh, AJ making more. That's significant money, Sal. And the thing is, is that you got to keep in mind, you know, when you're listen. If you're 
in Deontay Wilder's corner in his team, part of his you know seven thousand people on his team. Um, you got to realize that that's a lot of money, especially since the only time Deontay has made more than a million plus is when he made two million, and that was in his last fight. Up until then, he had not made two million dollars for a fight, and Anthony Joshua was making twenty. I think it's time that these, you know, we're talking big money, Sal. My point is $7 million is a lot of money. I mean, it, come on. It is. It is. You know what? They can make this a 60-40 out of $50 million. They can give uh, Anthony Joshua 30 Deontay Wilder 20 uh, That's all revenue coming in through all uh, venues, everything else that they can, they can raise. I mean, I'm I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just making numbers. You know, it doesn't matter exactly the, the, the final thing, but um, – I'm I'm saying that they can. That's a sixty forty split out of fifty million raised. Or Deontay Wilder, yeah, do a twenty ten million, and then let it, let him get the uh, share of all the pay per view in the United States, things like that. I'm sure he'll come out. I'm sure he'll come out very happy. And uh, you know, and that's just with the gloves off. No pun intended. Maybe a pun intended. Uh, gloves off going around the first one. Have the rematch clause that's open to negotiations, predicated on what happens during the first fight and how much of a draw, how much, how much that the fighters give to the fans. Um, first and foremost, I want to give a shout out to our buddy Joel. He just uh, gave Joel, us a super Joel. chat, uh, saying that uh, Billy C's looking sharp with his new haircut. Yeah, you know, I I, I really look into. Uh, uh, getting haircuts because they're, they're far and few in between now. Uh, with the way my hair's falling out, I'm going to be uh, looking like Mr. Clean pretty soon. But uh, thanks, Joel. We appreciate that, uh, as we always appreciate uh, any Super Chat donation. Billy, you know, you never let me give you a haircut. Do you understand? Man, you know, I'm a licensed barber and hairdresser. Uh, I, I used to have hair salons called the Uppercut, where all hairstyles were a knockout. Sal, I'm, I'm still waiting for a breakfast pizza. Pizza? You think I'm going to let you near my head with a pair of scissors? <laughs> Next come time on. you come up, I'm going to give you a haircut. I'm going to give you a breakfast pizza. Yeah, two separate promises, locations. promises, promises. Yeah, you'll give me a breakfast pizza loaded with the hair that you cut Forget off. Forget of about me. it. There but you uh, go. um, listen, you know, I, the truth of the matter is, is you know, when they're talking about splits, percentage splits, or whatever, you know, that's an unknown money amount. You know, if if I'm, I. I I agree with Deontay Wilder's team, assuming that it's his team saying it. They got to do a two-fight deal, just like they make, uh, you know, other other deals with. It's called a home and home. You know, you fight one fight uh, at in in the UK and the other fight uh, in the USA, and you word the contract in a way where the first fight. This, the the more of the money goes to Anthony Joshua. I mean, that's the way it is. He's the man, all right, um, at, at least in terms of drawing power. But you leave the negotiation for the second fight contingent upon who wins the first fight. So Deontay Wilder could make his money, really, more money than he's made in the ring in one fight, and should he win, now the tables are turned, and he can make a lot. Even if he loses, he's going to still make another payday, which he just made, which is also 10 times more than he's ever made. So it doesn't make any logical sense 
for him to not take this fight for what has been offered in the past. And I'm assuming that the, the new offer has got to be more. But there has to be an offer on the table. There has to be an offer on the table, Sal. Absolutely. In fact, I think we could, it's fair enough to say, hey, that's the original definition. That was the original name. That's why they used to call it prize fighting. Prize fighting. And you know what? That's the, the old game. And, you know, I, I would still love to throw back and create our own division. We'll have the purse. The winner gets the most and the loser does not. You know, that's that, that's the way it should be. That's the real way that prize fighting should be, giving each fighter the incentive. You know what? They want to talk about it? Then let's let's talk about it. They want to, they want to see who's going to win? They should have a prize fight, a real prize fight. Let the winner of the fight get $30 million, get the let the loser of the fight get $15 million. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. There you go. Bango. Yeah, you know what? You know, you know, what, the, you know what the truth of the matter is? All so, the European fighters would sign on the dotted line, but none of the U.S. fighters would. You know what? You're a funny guy, and I think you're right, too. <laughs> you know, the U.S. Well, can fighters. Can you imagine that, Bill? That would put, that would put the end to any negotiation. All this rhetoric would go under the rug because guess what? Guys, we're going to sign this World Heavyweight Championship bout. The winner of this fight is going to get $30 million. The loser of the fight is going to get $15 million. It's not a bad, bad compensation either way. And guess what? You'll both have the incentive to end the ability and the opportunity to win $30 million. That's the way it should be. Prize fighting is what it is. That's you know, it I, saw, I saw a lot of, you know, I, what, what, I, what I notice, we respond, just so everybody knows, we respond to emails if you take the time to drop us an email, we'll read it on this show, and I got several I'm going to read today. I do, however, look at some of the other comments that are out and about on social media, on our YouTube page, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I usually don't um, mention them on the show because we like the interaction, you know, concrete. And as long as it's presented in an intelligent manner, you, you got your platform. I mean, whether you agree with us or not. Um, with that said, a lot of stuff that I see is it's almost like country versus country. You know, I've been called, oh, Billy C., you know, he doesn't even go for Deontay Wilder, and Wilder's an American. You know, it's like, well, listen, I'm an American. I'm proud to be an American, but it has nothing to do with, with what I see and don't see in the fight game. You know, and what I clearly see, and I will admit, that I do want to do this show for at least a week out in England. I've been dying to get somebody that's got some juice over on the other side of the pond and bring us out there. Sal and I are dying to go. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, the fighters in the UK and Europe specifically, uh, and actually the Ukraine or whatever they're calling it now, you know, the old, uh, yeah, the Ukraine, uh, all those fighters... You know, I skipped school that day. Okay, boys and girls. Um, all those fighters are willing to fight. They're willing to step in the ring and fight whoever. You know, in, in England, they don't care if they have a loss. It doesn't devalue their fighter. You know, they, they move it on. You know, in, in the U.S., that's not the case. Now, we are seeing some better fights because we're running out of opportunity. If the U.S. promoters don't get their you-know-what together... They're going to be left in the dust. You're going to see people moving over to England to fight. You know, so, you know, it is what it is, Sal. They clearly are up to the challenge whether U.S. fighters are not. Well, I agree, and I, and I know they are. And, you know, you look at these, uh, these uh, tournaments that uh, have been taking place, and the majority of them are filled 
with the UK fighters or European fighters. And uh, because, you know, the, the USA fighters, they're either being advised or too scared to protect their O, you know, like like uh, Michael Buffer would say, somebody's O's got to go. And uh, uh, it's very clever, but it's very true and very, uh, uh, very evasive in the United States to put somebody else's uh, neck on the line like that. Um, Bill, you know, I'm very adamant about this. I really wish that we can have something and that'll end all negotiations and trouble if you gave you know something like uh like i was suggesting a prize fight for the heavyweight championship unification title bout 30 million dollars a winner 15 million dollars the loser no names assigned to either or the best man's got to win that night to get that prize can you imagine if things were that easy and that simple can you imagine the incentive oh by the way let's make it a 15 round fight Man, I'm, I I think I'm having fantasy calls. Hey, listen. But listen, it would be great. Listen, listen. Uh, we got to take a break, but you know what, Sal? <laughs> if 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 the winner got the money and the loser got nothing, there'd be no more fighters. Uh, and no, and no, when, no matter hey, Yeah, but no matter where they came from, Bill. no matter where they came from, they wouldn't fight. Just keep one thing in mind. We got to take a break. I'm a minute over. One thing we got to keep in mind. My book, the guy I wrote about, Tom Molino, in his era Okay, when he fought in bare knuckle times, uh, and I'm talking about you know way before John L. Sullivan era, these guys fought just like that. The winner would get all the money. The loser, they would take up a collection around the ring yes, and throw the right loser some money. And keep one thing hat. in mind, boys and girls, that these fighters a lot of times didn't survive to fight another day. So keep that in mind. We're gonna take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we got more. Unboxing, of course. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And, um... You know, Sal, I, I, I missed another uh, super chat from uh, our super fan, uh, Joel. He says, uh, always happy to support his favorite boxing show. And he's still waiting for a T-shirt, by the way. Really? <laughs> no. Joel, got to private message me. Let me, get, let me get your address again, pal. Just give me your updated address. And I'll uh, and I'll, I'll I'll see if I can make something happen. We have some on order, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll let you know there, Joel. He di- he didn't say it. I just I just threw that part in. <laughs> well, but anyway, um, yeah. hey, listen, uh, my man Mitch has uh, really uh, uh, done us uh, some great service Always. here on, on the show. Uh, he is uh, a, a guy that I, I when I first I, I never I actually I've never met him in person to be honest with you. But when I first uh, uh, got wind of him. He was a guy that I knew that could get anybody's phone number. If if you're looking to get, um, you know, a, a phone number, 
uh, of a fighter and you know he was like you know added a mix or whatever um you know mitch could get it and you know he's kind of evolved into a guy that can get some pretty cool uh, stuff before anybody else well he's he's at it again mr magoo and uh he <laughs> sent me some stuff that's very interesting uh first and foremost the letter that was sent to uh, bob bennett uh concerning uh canelo alvarez's testing um, now, initially, uh, according to this letter, uh, it said that the um, amounts of uh, clenbuterol that were found uh, in the two tests that uh, Canelo Alvarez failed uh, were, were within the limits. This is the, the first letter that, that he got. Were within the limits of contaminated meat. Now, since then, a lot of uh, requests and, and studies have been going on and, and all this stuff. And um, we got word uh, last week that uh, Bob Bennett uh, is starting to, to, to make the move to, to suspending for a long period of time, six months or whatever, um, Canelo Alvarez preventing the, the rematch from taking place in May. It has not made been made official yet. There's still... Uh, looking into different uh, pieces of that, uh, but tickets have been uh, being refunded, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Mitch sent me some uh, uh, paperwork here that I want to just relay to everyone. Um, the uh, uh, going back to you know this is the uh, allegations that the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission have submitted their their uh, official uh, protest here. Uh, the urinalysis both reflected both both of the the uh, tests reflected the presence of clenbuterol, uh, which uh, uh, is a prohibited antibiotic agent, both in competition and out of competition, uh, pursuant to the 2018 WADA prohibited list. The presence of clenbuterol in Alvarez's urinalysis specimen samples constitute anti-doping violations. Alvarez's utilization, ingestion, and or consumption of clenbuterol, whether intentional or not, constitutes an anti-doping violation. By his administration or use of clenbuterol and or by allowing clenbuterol to enter his system, Alvarez has engaged in conduct that reflected discredit uh, to unarmed combat, and he is guilty of foul or unsportsmanlike con conduct that was detrimental to a contest. Uh, furthermore, uh, uh, as far as the disciplinary actions, there's all these sheets. I'm just reading the highlighted stuff. Sure. Um, it's the du uh, duty of each, and this is important because this is specified, and everybody that enters the uh, clean boxing uh, program knows this. Uh, this is uh, um, falls under uh, Section 26. Uh, number two, it says, uh, it is the duty of each unarmed combatant to ensure that no prohibited substance enters his or her body and an, um, in, and an unarmed combatant is responsible for the presence of any prohibited substance or its metabolics or markers found to be present in her, her, his or her sample or specimen. To establish a violation of this section is not necessary to establish that the unarmed combatant intentionally, knowingly, or negligently, uh, negligently uh, used a prohibited substance or that the unarmed combatant is otherwise at fault for the presence of prohibited substance or its uh, markers found to be present in his or her uh, uh, specimen. 
um, the uh, which means they're responsible. They can't say, "Oh, I ate meat. Oh, my guy gave me this pill. I took it. I didn't know." You know, they ultimately they're responsible. Uh, now, just a part of the. I relief, like it. Yeah, part of well, th this is what what Bob Bennett is is submitting as right. his evidence, uh, and he says. Uh, the relief sought based on the allegations and evidence contained herein, the executive director prays for relief as follows. Now, this is not Bob Bennett. There's an executive director, and then there's the underling, Bob Bennett, who's the face and gets called uh, ridiculous, uh, uh, hurtful names like what I call him, you know, the gutless, spineless piece of garbage from Nevada. Um, he says that uh, the commission imposed a period of ineligibility against Alvarez's pursuit and then all their rules and stuff. Uh, so it seems, Sal, that they're really moving forward with uh, issuing a, a, a longer-term uh, suspension. Uh, I just, uh, who's that? Is that, uh, uh, who, who's that? Is that, is, 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 who's that, Deontay Wilder? Oh, that's is that is, keeper. Oh, that that's Deontay Wilder's <laughs> a, a dream opponent? Uh, what? what? What is that? What is that? What do you think about the uh, the comments, the, the, uh, the comments? Well, I think that uh, you know we, we the comments are one thing. The the follow through is another. I think that the comments regarding the individual fighters having to be responsible, knowing what they're ingesting, and having no uh, wiggle room to to say anything else different. You know what you see is what you get, and what is in there is it should be predicated on what each fighter uh, knows he's putting in his body. And uh, there is no wiggle room. It should be 100% uh, foolproof and uh, no excuses, no tolerance. So I, I do like some of the statements there. And uh, But, you know, saying one thing for the press and for everything else and to be heard is one thing. To stand behind, to make it a, a law, not just a rule and not just a, a, a uh, hypothetical, but to enforce it is another. Um. My man Johnston Brown, um, uh, who you could catch uh, his column up on Billy C. Boxing, just gave us a uh, super chat. But, you know, more importantly, it was the basis uh, of the super chat. He just reported that uh, uh, Scott Westgarth, uh, who had lost his life uh, in the ring, uh, donated uh, his organs. Um, and uh, Johnston uh, has informed us and this is a you know a bittersweet thing that uh, the organs that were donated actually saved seven lives. Uh, so wow. I want to uh, I want to thank uh, wow. uh, Johnston not only for the uh, super chat but for the uh, information because in my opinion the information uh, outweighs the uh, super chat by uh, a gazillion pounds. But uh, uh, thank you very much uh, uh, for filling us in on that. Um, it's just it's re it's it's hard listen i've been i've been very um critical a little bit of uh of of bob bennett but you know he's his back's against the wall sal uh he's got to do something and unfortunately for canelo listen they can't say that uh you know canelo uh, is being uh, you know picked on or anything else. the truth of the matter is is that canelo was busted and, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great way to make a, a, an important statement in the sport of boxing and the state of Nevada that says if you're going to want to if you want to fight in our state, you better make sure that you're clean. And, um, you know, Canelo didn't. 
and he needs to pay the price. And uh, unfortunately for us as boxing fans, we're not going to see that rematch in May. I personally think we shouldn't see it at all. I think that Triple G should go on, maybe get his fight uh, in May, that he claims he's still going to fight in Vegas on May 5th. I say fight that fight and then set up a, a showdown with Billy Joe Saunders and call it a, a career. Um, I would think that there's nothing better than leaving a permanent scar uh, on um, Canelo uh, that he'll always remember that, uh, you know, he, he screwed up. And, and oh, nobody, the uh, listen, life. there's no one else to blame, Sal. You could blame yeah. the meat. You could blame your, your nutritionist. Yeah. You could blame your, your trainer. You could blame everybody. You could blame your kindergarten teacher for something she did or he did years and years ago. But the truth of the matter is, Canelo is at fault, and Canelo needs to pay the price. We got to be held accountable. We got to be held accountable in all things of life, but especially for something like this. What do you think? Well, I think you're right on. You said it a long time ago, and, and you know, uh, Canelo can't just be saying that uh, his, the, the, the dog ate the homework, you know, and the bottom line is uh, he's got to be accountable, and, uh, you know, it was beyond tainted meat, so, uh, and even if it was not, and if it was just tainted meat, again, he's got to be accountable. He shouldn't have ingested it. The bottom line, uh, you know, it's hard to say, Bill. You said a long time ago when it was first coming out, that uh, you know to use Canelo as an example to get it straight, because boxing is bigger than just this one fight. And I'm going to agree with you. Uh, would I love to see round 13 uh, start and take place between Canelo Alvarez and Triple G? I sure would. The only other fight out there that I really want to see is Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. And after that, definitely I want to see Triple G and Canelo Alvarez. But guess what? For the sanctity, for the security, for the for the pedestal of where we keep boxing and what it means to you and I and millions of fans across the world, you've got to make an example. You've got to be adamant. You've got to be uh, steadfast and strong and say, hey, even though everybody wants to see this fight happen, we got to make a rule. We got to make a law. And those are two different things. Make it a law. You fool around. You do what you're not supposed to do. You're done. You know, give Canelo Alvarez a six month or a year ban and uh from boxing and uh and that's it that'll set that'll tell everybody you get caught with this stuff boom you're done that would be it you're done for a year i you know what they really want to do it they should uh definitely a year um you know at least right i mean uh, Can you imagine the incentive because look at where we are right now uh, you know it, it's it's easy to say that canelo alvarez is probably in his prime years right now and uh, to 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 have him not allowed to partake in earning money in the ring or to to show us his talent and his skill set in his prime years, you know, hey, they, it, it, it's 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 something that people will think about. Hey, do I want to do this? Is the prize of putting something in my system that's not legal worth the price? Well, guess what? No way in hell is it. So. Guess what? Will it stop people from doing it? If they're smart and they have common sense and they really want to fight and earn a living and make it make a statement, yeah, they're going to follow that program. And that's it, Bill. It's as easy as, as that. It's simple. It's common sense. And it should be the law. You know, it, it, the, the truth of the matter is, is that by, you know, uh, handing this down um, to, uh, to Canelo, you know, a, you know, one of the big biggest names in the sport, Clearly, 
will send a message to other fighters that are considering uh, cheating or, or, you know, uh, giving them the benefit of the doubt, fighters that don't know. Now it's up to them to question. And, and you know, if, if, I'm gonna, if I'm a fighter and I'm going to hire a nutritionist, a guy that's going to keep me, uh, you know, eating the right stuff, et cetera, et cetera, you know, I, I got to have something in writing with this guy or gal that says, hey, I need to know exactly what's in everything you're telling me to eat if you want me to take this supplement, et cetera, et cetera. Because at the end of the day, you can't use them as an excuse. You got to be held accountable, you know. And um, there's nothing better than having a big name like uh, uh, Canelo in the front of this. Unfortunately for Canelo. And, and the thing is, it's not like I don't like Canelo because I do. You know, I, I, I like watching him fight. Uh, generally, he's uh, uh, exciting, especially since, you know, for some strange reason, he's got all this knockout power lately. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, oh, oh <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Don't suggest something. No, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't possibly. I wouldn't possibly. But uh, anyway, some other big news in the sport. Um, Manny Pacquiao is uh, fighting Lucas Matisse. It's been made official. The fight's taking place on July 14th uh, in Malaysia. And a lot of uh, interesting side stories to this. First and foremost, Lucas Matisse, who had been out of the ring for a little bit, is a world title holder. So actually, Pacquiao's getting another shot at a world title, coming off a loss, mind you. Uh, So uh, Lucas Matisse's putting his... Uh, WBA's uh, version of the welterweight championship on the line. Now, remember, he's got the WBA regular uh, title, uh, which you know, don't even go uh, there, exactly. I mean, but I, I, uh, I but but nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, Manny will be fighting for the regular old title on June fourteenth. Now, interesting thing: uh, we all know that Pacquiao is not working with Bob Arum or Top Rank anymore. However, Bob Arum and Top Rank are providing the U.S. television, uh, which will be on ESPN. Um, also promoting the show, because Manny Pacquiao Promotions is the main uh, promoter, the co-promoter is Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy Promotions. The reason? Lucas Matisse is his guy. So you got Manny Pacquiao, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, and Bob Arum's top rank all promoting this event. But no, wait, there's long, more, boys and girls, because it was also announced that Manny Pacquiao has gotten rid of Freddie Roach. Freddie Roach will not uh, be uh, training Manny Pacquiao, his longtime, uh, lifelong friend and guy who's been in his corner a long time, Bu Boy Fernandez, uh, is uh, uh, going to be the trainer. Uh, it was uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao said that he wants a voice that he's familiar with and trusts in his corner. Um, apparently. Um, Freddie Roach, who has been with Manny Pacquiao since he came to the U.S. in 2001 and was his trainer for 34 consecutive fights, uh, was uh, uh, one of the reasons Manny said was that uh, there were many concerns about his instruction in his last fight against Jeff Horn and some statements that Freddie Roach has made to the media. Uh, Manny Pacquiao basically got really pissed about Um Sal, what's your thoughts on the fight, Manny Pacquiao against Lucas Matisse, and the fact that he kicked uh, Freddie Roach to the coib? Well, I'll tell you what. I I, uh, I shared with you. 
With what? He's a good man. He's a credit to boxing. But I think he's overrated on a lot of levels. And uh, I think that, um, you know, Manny Pacquiao probably felt the same way after all is said and done. Uh, you know, I don't think he's blaming Freddie for anything that's taken place as far as his losses. But the bottom line is I think Manny needs a little shakeup, needs a little train, uh, change in his training regimen. And w- what better way to do it but then to, uh, you know, look for a new trainer. And at this stage of his game, I think the fight against against Matisse is a good way to ride off in the sunset one way or the other. If he if he doesn't grab the golden ring, you know what? Uh, he can hang it up and have a beautiful life in politics, and 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 he's certainly certainly he's got enough of the accolades, and he's going to be in boxing hall of fame, and the whole thing will come together for him as it, as it, as it should. And if he does win, he'll retire with another belt, and he'll be able to uh, to hold his chin up. And you know what? I think he he's in a in a in a good position right now at the twilight of his career, but Freddie Roach, uh, let me tell you, I think Freddie's a good man. I I, I give him a lot of credit, uh, but I I also think that maybe uh, at this time, uh, Manny does need uh, maybe a little different spark, so to speak, in his corner. Uh, I mean, Billy, you know, I, I'll tell you what, when I made my comeback a couple of years ago, I I, I loved. You know, when I was trained by Richie Giacchetti, when I was trained by Don Turner, when I was trained by Ali Stoltz and <coughs> Johnny Torres, I had some great trainers in my corner. And they were great for the segment and the period of time they were in my lives, in my life. And you know what? If I could have had Don Turner, I would have loved to. And I think he's in Georgia anyway, and uh, I'd like to invite him to our next event. But the bottom line is um, – the truth of the matter is, when I met Joseph Zah, he, he's a great guy. He, he was a he was a, a Georgia Games a boxing guy. He came from the Ukraine. He's a he's a he's a solid, fundamentally sound fighter and and boxing trainer. Uh, of course, he's not fighting anymore. He's training. And uh, Joseph kept me right on track. He he was all I needed to train and prepare myself to get my body and my mind ready for the fight, and he did a stellar job. So at this stage in Manny Pacquiao's life, he knows what he needs. He knows what he can get from a trainer, and that's all he needs to do is get somebody just to keep him on track and to be there to, to do what he's got to do. Um, first of all, I, I hate to burst your bubble. Um, burst it. But, but Manny Pacquiao... And I, first of all, I should have rephrased it. I agree with you if he beats Matisse right off into the sunset as a champion because he could have done that two times ago, but he didn't. He could have. Um, but he's already said that if he wins this uh, fight against Matisse, he's going to be looking to fight Vasily Lomachenko later this year at a catchweight, Sal. Now, uh, this is a guy that maybe they should really do some uh, – um, analysis on him to see if his his train of thought is correct because you know it's I always use the analogy in boxing you can come up with almost every single guy uh, that was successful and the fact that they hung on too long but what I always use as an analogy is the best basketball player ever to lace on a pair of sneakers and that was Michael Jordan Michael Jordan was I mean so successful right and he just could not let go and tried that that you know ill-fated uh, time with the the wizards and al- although he was still competitive at his older age with the young uh, players he wasn't the michael jordan of old 
And unfortunately for new generations, that's the guy they see. It's similar to Roy Jones Jr. Any young fan today that's been watching for the last decade has been watching a, a, a totally different Roy Jones Jr. than people saw 20 years ago. Um, so, I, I mean, that's what's going to happen to Manny Pacquiao. You know, like him or not, and I certainly don't like Floyd Mayweather, but Floyd Mayweather was smart in a sense that he has maintained his his marbles. Uh, his style of fighting was conducive to that. And, um, you know, I, the one thing, you know, he may end up uh, pissing away all his money, but he's at least going to be able to carry on a conversation. You know, Manny Pacquiao, his style of fighting was not safety first. His style of fighting, he did take shots. He has been knocked out. Uh, this is a guy that uh, I'd be worried about right now, Sal. Well, I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, hey, uh, not just to bring up my past, but, you know, when I went to apply and get my boxing, professional boxing license back uh, just a few years ago, I was at age 53 and no athletic commission or boxing commissioner wanted to have a liability on their hands. So I had to go through an extra effort or extra physical. I had to get additional work done on a stress test level and show what I could do. I had to get an MRI and an MRA in my brain to make sure the shadows and the atrophy hasn't taken place that happens normally in some fighters at, at my age. Um, I had to have a neurological exam. I had to have a psychological exam to make sure I didn't have a death wish or whatever the heck. So I went through all these this whole process just to be issued a professional boxing license. And thank God I passed and everything else because nobody – at that stage or my age wanted to have any liability or or uh, well we should never have done that for him so yeah I think you know at a certain stage certainly maybe at 40 years old maybe fighters need to go through uh, maybe a, a few additional steps as far as where they are in their mindset in their heart and their physical being is at this stage when they apply for a boxing license um, yeah and you know like I've said if they were able to, if if box the sport of boxing would take a head scan of a fighter when they turn pro and file it away as the good scan, the normal scan, times like this would be a great time, especially a fighter who's been dropped and knocked out. You know, obviously, most commissions require a scan after that. Most reputable commissions require uh, head scans to be done every several years. Um, and you could really evaluate them correctly by putting them all up on the board and having a, 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 a specialist look at them and see if there's any changes from the original one all the way to, to the current one and the ones in between. Has there been damage? Did it get worse? Did it get better? Uh, whatever. You know, and determine, yeah, give this guy a license. Don't give this guy a license. We're going to be talking about our blast from the past uh, tomorrow, Meldrick Taylor, and, uh, you know, the New Jersey Athletic Commission refused to give him a, a, a license because he wouldn't take a, another um, head scan, you know. So that's what commissions need to arm themselves. Okay, listen, we're going to uh, take a short break. When we come back, I got some more news. How about some allegations from Jeff Horn about Terrence Crawford? My man, Terrence Crawford. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to me? 
That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And, uh, yeah, uh, before we went to break, we are talking about Manny Pacquiao. He is fighting Lucas Matisse. He says that he uh, wants to fight uh, Vasily Lomachenko um, after the Matisse fight. So, But uh, before I went to break, Sal, uh, Jeff Horn, who beat Manny Pacquiao, uh, in a controversial fight. I mean, I thought that Manny Pacquiao won the fight, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Jeff Horn, you know, you, you, the funny thing about it is you hear a lot of rhetoric from Team Horn, you know, trying to get in the press. I mean, I, I could see why. I mean, this is a guy that nobody really gives much credit for. I mean, I, I think it was a classic uh, youth versus age fight uh, with him and Pacquiao. Pacquiao took his foot off the gas, uh, and Horn was the aggressor. Uh, coming forward, was in his hometown, got the win. Uh, well, it set up a fight between um, former unified world junior welterweight champion Terrence Crawford, who I believe uh, is uh, one of the top two pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world today. Uh, you know, Vasily Lomachenko, Terrence Crawford, I, I mean, you could flip-flop them, number one, in my opinion. They're both that good. Um was scheduled to fight Jeff Horn and had to pull out because of an injury. They already rescheduled the fight. It was originally uh, supposed to take place on the 14th, uh, but uh, the fight's been rescheduled. Um, it, it, Horn's promoter is suggesting that um, Terrence Crawford is f that the injury was fake, Sal, that he didn't really have an injury. What's your thoughts on that? I, I I mean, listen, Keith Thurman just came up with an injury. And Keith Thurman, you know, has had a history of that. You know, he comes up with injuries. He gets out of fights. He comes up with car accidents that nobody can find damage on the car. I mean, all these all these things that you, you know, once it happens, twice it happens, it starts happening more than one time, three times, four times, you start saying, well, you know, it's the boy who cried wolf. Terrence Crawford, is, at least to the best of my recollection, has never pulled out of a fight for an injury. What's your thoughts of Jeff Horn's team suggesting that Terrence Crawford was lying? I think it's just rhetoric right now, and I think it's just anything they could do to get the attention, to get some idle time uh, with him in the press and not being forgotten. Because guess what? Before Manny Pacquiao, nobody really knew Jeff Horn. And uh, for Jeff Horn, uh, to his uh, credit, he rose to the occasion and he put on a display. He... He definitely showed that he wanted it, that he was hungry, and he took the fight to Manny, and uh, he won that uh, that fight. And I think that, uh, you know, he has been idle. There hasn't been too much of his name uh, bounced around since then, but he did uh, uh, make a statement there. And I think right now, uh, if he was to, to, to have this fight with Crawford, uh, I, I don't know. I think um, I think it's going to be a big challenge for Jeff Horn because I think Crawford is a master out there. 
And uh, for him to say that uh, Crawford's ducking him or maybe having a false injury not to go through with it, uh, I think that's a little bit over-chomping on the bit, uh, if you will. I uh, I think it's uh, comical. You know, it is going to be on that uh, ESPN app. Uh, I think it's also going to be available on ESPN. Is um, It's kind of confusing how they're doing it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I but, know. Uh, I know. But it's kind but- of funny, don't you think? I think it's very funny, and and like I said, I think Terrence Crawford is a stand-up guy. Uh, I think he he is a confident guy. I think uh, he moving up in weight classes now. You know, he's got to be careful because uh, you know he definitely uh, uh, might lose some 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 things in the transition. Uh, he might gain some others. So who knows? Uh, but I think that. Uh, he will always be a fighter to contend with on any weight class and any level because he is a champion. He is a master. He knows what he's doing at the end of the ring. He's got a great sense of of uh, what he wants to do and how he wants to accomplish it. So I think uh, I think he uh, definitely is not ducking or not pulling out or not injuring himself on purpose. Uh, you know, the only time – and listen, this is the God's honest truth. I mean – you know, I've promoted in, in uh, many different states and, um, you know, a lot of times when a promoter, I'm not saying that I did this, but a lot of times a promoter <laughs> has got all this money uh, invested and, and, you know, especially promoters that are inexperienced and they're, you know, have the calculator there and they see that they got X amount of money invested and they're looking at the pre-ticket sales and they're saying it ain't going to happen. All of a sudden, somebody gets an injury so that they can go back and uh, maybe, you know, try and get some more uh, capital. So, I, you know, I can't see that as being a reason for this kind of a fight. The, the level is too high. You know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, but you know what? But I'll tell you what, Bill, now that you mentioned that, by the way, um, you know, both guys aren't really um, – uh, selling it out of the gate and, and household names on that level. So, you know what? I would wonder what the ticket sales or interest might be at this point in the time. You never know, Bill. You never know. Well, I mean, you know, the the truth of the matter is, is that um, I, the fight, uh, Terrence Crawford, you know, he tried his, his hand at, at, uh, at the pay-per-view. And, and again, you know, here's a situation, um, you know, uh, Hey, listen, I, I just I, I got breaking news. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. Um, my man, Coach, you know, we got two really uh, important um, people that, that help us on this show. And I mentioned Mitch earlier. And then, of course, a Coach has to get uh, kudos. It's being reported right now in the U.K. Sun, and I have it up on my screen right now, uh, that the contract has been signed between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Apparently, wow. Joshua has offered a 60-40 split to fight in the UK, and um, Deontay Wilder has agreed, at least I in principle. Um, the, the contract has I not been... I've mistaken. I, the contract has not been signed, okay. uh, but, uh, but it has been agreed... Uh, the, according to uh, Shelly Finkel, who uh, is the guy that they keep uh, calling Shirley, uh, Shelly Finkel told Shirley the Telegraph uh, that uh, we will accept uh, 
saying that Deontay accepts the challenge. Uh, so uh, hopefully, uh, he also said, we hope that, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Joshua is a man of his word. And uh, Deontay says, I hope that, uh, I'm sorry, Deontay says he hopes that Deont uh, that uh, Anthony Joshua is a man of his word. And uh, AJ says the same thing. We hope that uh, the bronze bomber. So 60-40 uh, uh, per split uh, over the summer. Uh, that's the way it should be, and and you know we'll obviously we'll talk more about this uh, on tomorrow's show if it turns out uh, to be true. But uh, what do you think of that, Sal? Well, I want to thank Coach because you boys and girls heard it here first. If this is the truth, and thank you, Coach, for that because I'll tell you what that'll make my day. Uh, just like we were talking earlier, I thought I, I, I said, "Watch, we're gonna have Mitch come up." When we said it was a sixty forty split. Well, here's he the, here, here's <laughs> the funny thing: the the Sun is also uh, the you know England's version of the Enquirer. So yeah. uh, you know, we we might uh, might be uh, it might be all BS, but he put the link in there. I just saw it. Uh, he's saying that they accepted the fight, so we'll see. Great. We'll see I, I until know. I get it on my own. Uh, news feed that I uh, get all my uh, boxing news from and other sports. I have a ticker that uh, that I get, which obviously is not in front of me right now. But until I get that, I, you know, I won't think it's official. But at least, at least they're claiming that they're discussing it. Uh, but uh, anyway, well, I got that, some emails. That's, that's it. That's great. Well, hopefully I we'll think be it's great. Ho hopefully, discussing it. Well, hopefully, hopefully it'll be a, a major topic tomorrow. But I got some emails. Let's get those rolling. Uh, first one's from my man, Joel. And uh, Joel says, uh, with Heard against Lara being the feature fight this weekend, it's flown under the radar, but Ricardo Mayorga returns to the ring against Rodolfo Gomez Jr. in Texas, and it will be on Fight TV. Now, the only reason why I mention Fight TV is because we're on Fight TV, too. He says, uh, I actually ordered the event just as you made fun of me for ordering Mosley Mayorga 2 three years ago. What are your and Sal's thoughts on Mayorga fighting this young kid who's 12 and 4, but he's six foot three and he makes 168 pounds? Is Mayorga doing this for the money? He seems sadly out of shape and he's not focused. Uh, all the best. Joel, uh, thanks for the email. Listen, of course, you, he's, of course he's doing it for the uh, money. Um, you know, he was never uh, that great of a fighter ever. He was just a, a tough guy. I mean, listen, anytime you see a fighter, and no disrespect to cigar smokers and beer drinkers, but anytime you see a fighter in the ring drinking a beer and smoking a cigar after the fight, you kind of got to wonder how serious he is about the sport, don't you think, Sal? Well, I don't know. There was two-ton Tony Galento. He was pretty serious about it, and he used to train, I think, on cigars and beer, too, after the fight. I don't know, I'm not, and I'm not saying myself. Uh, that's just what I've heard. I've never confirmed that, and I don't know that, but uh, um, that's how we got the reputation. But no, yeah, of course we don't want to see that uh, that uh, in between fights or so from from athletes because that's you know athletes hold themselves h h higher above all that stuff. That's that's uh, that's the role model in in athletes that uh, that are elitist that are a special uh, brand of breed of uh, an athlete. So uh, no, no, no disrespect to cigar smokers or whiskey <laughs> no, drinkers. No, and Tony. Two-ton Tony. Two-ton Tony was uh, quite a guy. Uh, people loved him, but uh, 
he had more hair on his back than I got on mine, for God's sake. I got more hair on my you, back than I got on my head. But, uh, was ringside for my fight, uh, my 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 uh, final in the Golden Gloves. He was there along with Jersey Joe Walcott, and uh, man, it was it was a great sight to see. And I, I had the opportunity to meet him. And hey, at speaking, the time, he had a cigar. Speaking of Jersey Joe Walcott, do you know that his grandson um, and great grandson are? most likely going to be at our Billy C event in September. Did I tell you that? You didn't tell me that. Come yeah. on. Are you kidding me? Sal, when you meet this kid, he looks just like Jersey Joe. Man, that is great. You know, I, I'll tell you, I love that. And if we can get uh, Larry Hazard down there, down here, that'd be great. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think I'm going to reach out for uh, Don Turner maybe. He, he's somewhere in Georgia, I hear. I spoke to him not too long ago. Well, not too long ago. I think it was maybe a year or two ago, but uh, that's not too long in our as we get older. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I got another email. This is from, uh, well, let me tell you. Good morning, Billy C. and Sal. It's me, Raheem. He says, I was wrong about the outcome of Parker winning, but right uh, that Parker was going to give Joshua trouble. Uh, I had on my score scorecard Parker winning one sixteen one twelve. He must have been watching a fight with Dax. Him and Dax must have been sitting together. Uh, he says, uh, "I thought Joshua did little and Parker did more." Now, if Joshua decides not to fight Wilder next and fights another boxer, uh, I think it, I think that's ducking. I think that Wilder uh, should be like Floyd. Floyd held the WBC belt, which is the true linear belt, and not need other belts, and fought the best until Pacquiao agreed to fight Floyd. Plus, Wilder can use the WBC, WBC belt as the A side like Floyd, especially if Joshua ducks him. I agree with Dax about Joshua underperforming, and if Joshua ever fights Wilder, Wilder's going to win by knockout. Um, okay, I always, I always got to educate. I always got to educate, Raheem. Uh, Raheem, first of all. Um, Stop bringing Floyd into it, all right? I try to give Floyd accolades where he deserves them in a sense of his conditioning and his training and his outlook and blah, 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 um, but not in the respect you do. So I, I'm just not even going to comment on that. Um, second of all, the WBC is not what they call a linear championship. A linear championship, by definition, means the guy who beat the guy. In other words, going all the way back to the uh, uh, you know first championships and in the heavyweight division it was john l sullivan uh marcus of queensberry rules is where we're talking about uh who beat him is the guy who was the champ and you can follow that linear title all the way to the next guy now the truth of the matter is the last linear heavyweight world champion was tyson fury and um until you beat a guy in the ring he's considered the linear champion uh, mm -hmm. Now, if a guy retires, uh, you know, and that title is put up, uh, you know, you can follow the bouncing ball that way. So uh, neither one, technically, AJ or Wilder, are um, uh, are linear champions right now because Tyson Fury is going to be making a comeback. Now, as far as, uh, you know, your indication that, you know, Wilder has to fight, it's not... AJ, that's ducking Wilder. It's Wilder who won't sign a, a respectable contract with Anthony Joshua. 
And it was not, just for the record, it was not Pacquiao who wouldn't fight Floyd. It was Floyd who wouldn't fight Pacquiao until they finally signed. So please, get your facts straight, all right? But uh, anyway, and as far as your scorecard, um, you know, I, I just, listen, you can't win a fight if you're moving forward and not really throwing punches. To, and, and although I don't go, I don't like the punch stats because they're subjective, Occasionally, you have to use them for in, in cases like this. The final punch stats for that fight, which, you know, were subjective, but, but nonetheless, it's, it's something for the base of a discussion. Anthony Joshua threw 383 total punches in that fight, landing 139, which turns out to be a 36.3%. Not a lot of punches, truthfully. Um, Parker, he threw way more, 492, but landed substantially less at 101 for a 20.5%. Um, you know, even even uh, jabs, you know, everybody was saying how Parker was throwing, uh, you know, more jabs. That wasn't even true. Parker, um, or Parker did throw more, but he didn't land as many. He threw 316 jabs, only landed 49 for 15.5%. Anthony Joshua threw 270, but landed 93. So he almost doubled the landing jabs of Parker. So, I mean, in this particular case, we're just using it as a discussion. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Listen, it was, it was a, 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 not the most exciting fight, Sal, but I can't see anybody thinking that Parker won it, really. Well, you know, I have to uh, go back and look at that fight again. And I'm going to use my way of how I really look and assess. Uh, uh, as I said, I first uh, I first gave uh, gave that uh, Anthony Joshua by a landslide. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I can't be a hypocrite. I'm going to go back and watch it again. And like I said, I'll, I'll look at it with the uh, eyes of judging it through each round becoming three uh, one minute rounds and see who wins uh, the majority, the two out of three of each round. So that's that. Maybe I'll see something different. Uh, I did that with Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn. That's how I had Jeff Horn winning that fight. I looked at the fight differently from what I first saw. So. Anyway. So what are you saying? You thought Parker won? No, I'm no, not saying oh. that. I thought Anthony Joshua won. Oh, okay. Right. But what I'm saying is, to be fair to Dax and to Raheem. I want to go back and look at it again, and instead of looking at it just just hey like, like the majority of the round was uh, was uh, effective uh, by one fighter in my eyes without looking at it, I'm gonna break each round up as three sub rounds for three minutes of each round, and I look at the one minute what's happening in the round, I look at the second minute what's happening in the round, and I look at the third minute what's happening around, and each round will go that one minute increment assigned to one of the fighters that I think is winning that round. And then at the end of the that round, whoever has two out of three, or if it's an even split, or if I have this, I give that round. That's what I'm saying. I look at fights differently when I look at, uh, look at it like that. Well, that particular fight, to be honest with you, if you watch that fight, and I'm talking about the Parker-Joshua fight, if you watch that fight without the sound... You're gonna you're gonna be thinking so those idiots, especially Mauro Ronaldo, the worst commentator in the history of the sport of boxing. You know, I, 
he, they they ruin it. You know, Max Kellerman and and uh, uh, Jim Lampley and you know the guy the, the HBO crew, they're basically talking about the home fighter, and so is Showtime. You know, uh, you know they all they were talking about was Wilder. They were talking about how you know they're trying to promote the Wilder thing. You know, the bottom line is you're going to see AJ jump over to HBO. HBO is going to offer him so much money, and you know, I mean, they have it. They've been saving it. It's like the I hate to say it. They're sandbagging them. Well, no, I hate to say it. It's like what my stupid Jets did. You know, they they save all this salary cap money and they end up with this boatload of cash. And that's what HBO is doing. You know, they haven't been uh, spending money on fights. We're all crying about it, and you know, which is true. And the fights that they have been putting on isn't that great. And Showtime's kicking their ass. There's no question about it. Um, and for the majority of the fights that Showtime's been putting on, they've been pretty good. And HBO, in my opinion, is sitting there like the old saying, don't fire till you see the whites of their eyes. And the whites of the eyes might be happening now. Because the last fight that AJ had with Showtime took place Saturday night. So I am looking for a huge announcement sooner than later that HBO has secured Anthony Joshua to some kind of long-term deal. And I, I tell you the truth, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be huge. It's going to be a huge uh, deal. And that, you know what? That deal in itself, Sal, could very possibly prohibit a showdown between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. And the reason why I say that is because HBO will want to make some money on their cash cow if they throw him all kinds of money. They're going to want to make something back. So they're going to want to have him fight a few times before they put him in. That's all very possible too. It is. Who knows? You know, follow the bouncing ball and the rhetoric and see what rises to the top in reality. Yeah, I don't well, know, Billy. See, you're, you're, you're well. You're, we'll you're, see. You're, I mean, uh, Eddie Hearn has said that you know he feels kind of connected to Showtime. They were the ones that signed AJ first. They get the first option of counter offer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but uh, but only time will tell. I got one more email uh, for all our affiliates. Uh, we are not taking a break here. Sorry about that. You know, I just got, got just start rambling on and stuff. You know, and that's what <laughs> happens. Um, but. Uh, uh, in any event, um, this one is from uh, uh, actually a first-time uh, uh, emailer, Kenneth O. Um, Kenneth O. from Hot and Sunny Barbados. Beautiful. All right. Hey, Kenny O., get us there. Forget about England. Get us to Barbados. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, wow. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., today I listened to your podcast, and it was the best review of Joshua versus Parker that I've heard. In wow. addition, the show's analysis of current issues in the heavyweight division is top class. Sal and you offered very balanced views on the actual fight. Uh, possible Joshua versus Wilder showdown, Wilder's lack of proper management, and the Bronze Bombers catch a body utterance. Um, mo most striking is the fair and balanced opinion, free of home fighter bias. Your guest, he's referring to Dax, offered an intelligent and balanced counter option. Kudos to your show for allowing dissenting views to be fully aired. My wife had me doing chores all day, so I couldn't listen to the live show, but I enjoyed the podcast all morning. 
taking my time to listen every single second and savoring every point made like a nice bowl, like a nice bowl of vanilla ice cream. This guy's he, he's got a, he's hitting it on the head, man. Uh, who like, who doesn't love a nice bowl? Sally eats ice cream favorite. during uh, half the time during the show. He's he's throwing out an ice cream, uh, but uh, he says tomorrow <laughs> I'm back in the office and I will be listening live. No house choice to interrupt me tonight. I will share the link uh, of the podcast with a few Boxing Channel buddies I have in the UK. I'm sure they'll appreciate the balanced commentary from states from the states. Uh, keep asking for those subscribers. Let's get this show well known on YouTube. Best regards, Kenneth O from Hot and Sunny Island of Barbados. Kenny, thank you for the uh, thank email. You, and uh, I, uh, I, I'm glad that that people recognize it. And yes, we are trying. To get a, a bigger, uh, better presence on YouTube, I, I do apologize to all the uh, to the YouTube boxing community because you know we've been on YouTube for a while, but I never really took it as uh, I never cared about it to be honest with you. And you know, I, I've I've become I like a lot of the guys that have uh, started coming into the YouTube chat. Uh, I like the uh, fact that. You know, we've weeded out some some uh, trolls, so to speak, and, and we have a, a, a very knowledgeable people in there. So, yes, uh, we do want uh, to uh, uh, have a bigger presence on YouTube. So uh, if you're not uh, a subscriber, do us a favor and subscribe. And uh, anybody that you know that may be interested, interested in this show or maybe not, anybody that you just know, period, tell them to subscribe. We want subscribers, right, Sal? Absolutely, we we look forward to it, and we uh, would love to keep promoting and and having you help us with the promoting the the, the show because we love doing this, guys. A couple other uh, uh, and thank you for your support. boxing news that I want to mention real quick here is uh, you know I, I, Leo Santa Cruz, one of my favorite uh, fighters uh, because of his style. Uh, but I hate what he does with that glove. Oh man, that's such a bad. With that's this? yeah. This? No, no, he spins it. He goes back and forth, back that's and forth. Doing. I'm you know, doing spin. The well, it's wand. not quite like that. You can't see me. It's like left, right, left, right. You know. But uh, apparently, um, he and Abner Mares have signed for their rematch. It will be taking place on June 9th. Uh, Mares' uh, record is 30 wins, two losses, and a draw. And uh, Santa Cruz, 33 wins, one loss, and one draw with 18 knockouts. They first met uh, back in 2015, and it was a toe-to-toe slugfest for 12 rounds with uh, Leo Santa Cruz uh, winning uh, that fight. Uh, so now uh, you're going to love this. Uh, Santa Cruz is putting his WBA super featherweight uh, title uh, on the line, and Abnamares is putting his WBA regular featherweight title on the line so uh we're gonna wow. end up with a super super duper wba champion yes, and then will. and then the wba has just announced that they had the marginal world championship belt that they're going to be offering so they're not oh, going to have boy. the marginal world championship the regular world championship <laughs> the super world championship and let us not forget about the champion in recess championship the champion of Murtai, uh championship and uh, the interim championship. So, yes, the WBA will now have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six possible world champions in every one of their divisions. you got to love it, Sal. I mean, that's what this sport needs, don't you think? Some more belts? 
I think so. I think I need a belt of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll vote. For, I'll drink to that. Uh, but uh, some other news I just want to get out there. Amir Khan. And I mean Amir Khan. A, uh, that's A-M-I-R-K-H-A-N. I get a lot of people that email me uh, A-M-E-R-E-C-O-N. But no, uh, Amir Khan uh, against Phil LaGreco. Amir Khan is returning April 12th. Um. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, June 9th um, is the fight. Remember, I couldn't... Uh, Amir Khan is April 21st. I'm dyslexic. But June 9th was that Terrence uh, Crawford, Jeff Horn uh, reschedule. I, I didn't tell you guys. But uh, on April 12th this weekend, the ESPN streaming uh, app on demand, $4.99 a month, is launching. Um, the, the fights that are on these... Uh, apps will not be seen on regular ESPN uh, television networks. So that's going to be a big thing. If that's what happens with uh, uh, Bud, Terrence Bud Crawford and Horn uh, appearing on the streaming app, <clears throat> excuse me, and not on ESPN or, or a pay-per-view, um, that's going to be terrible. I don't think they're going to do all that well here in the states unless it's on regular uh regular tv dial what do you think sal no i think you're right like i said if these guys were real household names and big draws and everything else that we have the majority of our fan base here uh wanting to claw and draw and straw after uh, it, it would make sense but i think having it exposed and giving them an opportunity to showcase them and the majority of living rooms uh, for for free, I think, is a great way to get them uh, well known to get them across here. Um, I, I just think it's foolish. You know, we went through this this time with the with streaming yeah, that the did. greed factor. Everybody was, you know, there was that three letter channel that wanted to charge you for club shows. It failed. Those models do not work. It's not the price. People just don't want to pay for stuff that's on the internet. It's something that is just, listen, if you put something on the internet and you want to charge for it, people will go out of their way to avoid paying it. I'll give you an example. This show, we're in our 15th year, and we're going to be celebrating, having a birthday celebration at our next event in September. But we are in our 15th year. And we tried the pay-per-view podcast theory. And, you know, I knew people that went out of their way to avoid spending, what did we charge, 15 bucks a a year for for the subscription. And people would go out of their way to bootleg and copy and steal the show and would cost them way more than 15 bucks a year. But the thought of them paying for a service was not justifiable. And that's the same thing that's going to happen here. You know, to have the app available on the go as a as a convenience, that's a different story. People that are stuck at a wedding or a picnic or somebody's, you know, uh, event, and they really don't want to be there and their fight's on and they're trying to help their wife or girlfriend or whatever, uh, you know, by, by going to an event. Uh, it sounds like my story, but uh, going to an event... Yeah, to bring it up on a stream on their phone and they're paying for that uh, convenience, that's a different story. But to say, okay, everyone, you want to watch this fight? It's only going to be available on one place. you got to pay for it. It doesn't work unless it's a monster, monster fight. 
and uh, Amir Khan against Phil LaGreco uh, is uh, is not a large fight. And as far as uh, Terrence Crawford against Jeff Horn, I got news for you. As much as I love Terrence Crawford, not many people that aren't diehard boxing fans have ever heard of him, Sal. I, well, that's what I was suggesting earlier, you know. Uh, I only really uh, started uh, uh, following and, and, and liking Jeff Horn after, uh, you know, he showed uh, his his uh, courage and his fortitude to go in and, and fight Manny and take the fight to him. Uh, other than that, I never watched or never really felt I knew Jeff Horn. I saw him in clips. I saw him in things. But now I'm paying attention to him. Um, but the bottom line is with Crawford. Crawford's a stellar fighter. He's a great fighter. But, you know, coming from the Midwest or wherever, he has not been showcased uh, uh, on the Northeast here too much or, or in the West. And uh, I think that he becoming a household name, uh, he's on a pathway, sure. But, you know, like I said, Jeff Horn and Terrence Crawford, it's not a big draw that you are going to be jumping to the pay-per-view sets to turn it on and, and buy it right now. I think uh, having it showcased and having them uh, uh, in our face, in a sense, on, on a freebie would be a much better way to get the attraction, get the fuse lit underneath. Well, the the the, the truth of the matter is, um, you know, only the diehard fans know who Crawford is. The That's way right. to, you know, the way to get fighters known is to make them available. This is the part that I don't understand. You know, if you put them on TV or if you're going to stream because there's no television option, that's okay. But give it away. You know, the old days, network television used to sell advertising. Promoters got lazy. They wanted to get the money for the viewer, you know, just for just for being able to watch it. What's even worse now is you watch pay-per-views with commercials. So not only are you paying for something, you're also getting commercials. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And you know what? That we used to be one of the unique features of a pay-per-view was the minimal amount of uh, advertisers or commercials. You, you were paying for the, for the straight, uh, the substance of what the event was, the, the full effect, not just the uh, fluff without the stuff. You got the stuff first, and if they had to fill it with a little fluff, hey, you know. Well, I, you know, that was the one thing. You're right. That was the one thing. That that's right. uh, you know, superseded I, well, commercial. Well, that's that's what I liked. You know, uh, um, I, uh, I I I liked the fact that you know you, you're going to pay for a pay per view. At least you don't have to sit through commercials. You know. Then again, you know, uh, our our viewers and listeners have to sit through commercials, although they're not this uh, this break. That's for sure because we're not taking one. But uh, one more bit of news that I want to uh, get out there is um, uh, three time world champion um koki kamada who uh retired um he's making a comeback now his his record is 32 uh, i'm sorry 33 wins and two losses uh he's uh decided it was announced that he's going to make a one fight comeback and who's he going to fight against the guy who beat him uh pongs glek wanjong cam who's got a record of 90 wins, five losses, and two draws. Uh, Wang Zhang Kam uh, had beaten um, Koki Kamada uh, by a uh, majority decision, 116-112, 115-112, and the uh, plant judge had it 114-114. Um, he uh, had re- you know retired. 
the the Kamada um, has been out since 2015. Uh, he uh, had uh, tried to win the uh, Superflyweight uh, uh, title from uh, Kohi uh, Kano uh, and then uh, walked away. Uh, he decided that he's going to make this comeback. It's taking place in Japan on May 5th. Here's the kicker. Uh, Wang Jiangkam has not fought since 2013. He's been out for five years, and he's now uh, 40 years old. So uh, wow. sounds like uh, these two guys were made an offer they couldn't refuse, Sal. Absolutely. I think that's, uh, that's unique. I think it's going to be good, too. Uh, well, listen, uh, we think uh, basically that uh, Deontay Wilder did not sign uh, this contract, uh, but hopefully he did. Uh, you know, if an offer was made from Team AJ or an offer will be made from Team AJ to fight Deontay Wilder and the split was 60-40, that is more than fair and more than reasonable. If Deontay Wilder does not take a 60-40 split, you can take it to the bank that they don't really want to fight Anthony Joshua. To suggest that Deontay Wilder is worth a 50-50 split with Anthony Joshua is absurd. When you consider the drawing power of Anthony Joshua in England alone uh, versus the drawing power of Deontay Wilder here in the States, there's no justification except for one thing. The desire that we all want to see the fight. And our, and I say our, meaning the boxing fans, our willingness to pay for this fight, because we're going to have to pay for it, um, is there if these guys can step up and fight each other. And therefore, a 60-40 split is more than fair and more than reasonable. Because if it was based on drawing power and, you know, fan bases, etc., etc., it wouldn't even be close to, to 60-40. It would have to be 70-30 or, or even worse uh, in AJ's favor based on the current landscape of fan base and uh, monies that were already made, etc. Deontay Wilder has positioned himself to a 60-40 split. I think that that's max. What do you think, Sal? I think it's, I think it's great. And I think, let's say Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua for this first fight get a 60 60- 40 split and Anthony Joshua has it in his backyard over in the UK I think it's fair enough to say if Deontay Wilder wins the title over in the UK and they have a rematch they do come back to Brooklyn or to Vegas or to wherever the the Madison Square Garden and they do come back here where Deontay Wilder now has a 60-40 split just because it was 60-40 the first time, and like I said, if it's going to be a 60-40 the second time, if, if Deontay Wilder is, is going to win this fight, then I think it's fair enough to say that Deontay Wilder should be uh, getting 60% and, uh, and Anthony Joshua coming over here gets the 40%. Well, I, I'm not saying that they're going to – I think that – No, I'm first... just saying in all hypotheticals out there, if, if there is that backloaded agreement, in, in this deal, I think that would be a fair incentive enough for Deontay Wilder to be humble and say, hey, okay, 60-40, I'm coming over there. I'm going to win all the belts, and I'm taking it back here, but I want my 60-40 in my backyard when Anthony Joshua comes for that rematch. That's what I'm saying. 
Well, I mean, let just for a minute, let's let's dream for a second. Well, would you say now. would you say that this fight could generate if Deontay Wilder and 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 Anthony Joshua stepped in the ring? Do you think that the fight could generate fifty million dollars without any problem? I think I think there's going to have to be some effort, but I think it could generate fifty million dollars when all is said and done from all venues and all advertisers and and everything else. I think fifty million dollars could be a realistic figure. Well, it's got to be more because think well, I, I know, when, when you think of when you think about it. If if it was if it was a hundred million dollars, Anthony Joshua is making twenty million now, right? And he's paying his opponents, you know, whatever four or five million dollars. So let's say, for argument's sake, five million. Let's say that that the payroll, uh, the the purse for Anthony Joshua fighting anybody other than Deontay Wilder is twenty five million. You would have to assume that the total promotion is making 50 right i i mean you would you would have to assume if they if you they're would. fighting that's, in england and they're, they're selling numbers yeah they're, earlier, they're I mean. selling out eighty thousand uh fans uh you know they're, they're 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 getting some revenue from u.s television they have skybox that's that's broadcasting it over there i mean you would have to assume that there's another 25 million in revenue coming in to justify paying out just purses alone uh, you know, uh, 25, 30 million, uh, I'm sorry, 25 million, right? 20 plus five plus the rest of the card, etc. So I'm thinking that you got to double that pretty easily, Sal, that Deontay Wilder against Anthony Joshua would generate a hundred million dollars. So if that were the case, um, you know, and then you would take the profits from that, that would, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, Anthony Joshua, could could end up making you know thirty million dollars, an you know an extra ten that he's normally making, and uh, which is you know I mean uh, you know he's making ten million to fight arguably the, uh, you know a, a live uh, an opponent in Deontay, but Deontay is in a position to make ten to fifteen, which is twelve thirteen million dollars higher than he's ever made. I, it, it makes no sense. For them to turn down a 60-40 deal, if in fact a 60-40 deal ever gets offered. If they turn down a 60-40 deal, that's a clear indication, at least in my opinion, Sal, that Deontay Wilder doesn't want the fight. Well, as I said, I think that Deontay Wilder should maybe swallow a little humble pride, but have it a backloaded contract. What I mean by that is, if Deontay Wilder is fortunate enough to win the fight in Anthony Joshua's 60-40 uh, split uh, and having the fight on his home turf, uh, the, the renegotiation or the negotiation for the second fight, the rematch, should be in Deontay Wilder's corner where he chooses the venue and then location. And then he uh, also has a 60-40 split coming over here. The fight will be big because if it's going to be an upset or if it's going to be a traditional beatdown, who knows? It will be one that um, should give fans enough. So 60-40, I made those numbers earlier out of a $50 million purse when I said, why not they just fight the winner? The winner of the fight gets $30 million. The loser of the fight gets $20 million. That's a 60-40 split right there. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, you, you, I'm thinking realistically from... I know. From, well, I know. well uh, you know, if a fight generates $100 million, 
that costs money to make $100 million. So we're talking about when, when they're t- – just so everybody understands, a split purse deal is a split of the profits. That's why I felt that, you know, when A.J. offered Deontay Wilder $7 million plus U.S. TV rights and they turned it down. I think it was a great offer. That was a great offer. I, I mean, to tell you, that, considering – considering had at least $10 million, maybe $15 million. But considering that, that Deontay just made his biggest purse in the history of his life – against Luis Ortiz at two point whatever it was, two point one million dollars, it's absurd and and it, that he didn't take that offers. But but then moving ahead, and because of how he beat Ortiz, he, he definitely added some value to himself. He added value. So so, so now you have to figure that an offer, a package deal, can't be worth less than, you know, 10 or 15 in Deontay's pocket. It can't. It's a 60-40 split. Listen, nobody likes the U.K. boxing scene more than me. I've been on the U.K. boxing scene for years. As a matter of fact, I first got hooked up with it. My man Thomas Newman got me all hooked on Tyson Fury after his second pro fight. I started following him. So go back and, and look at how many years. And I've noticed that the U.K. boxing scene really is where boxing's at. And all you got to do is look at the fan base that shows up to live events. When you And I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, AJ with 80,000. You, you go to Joe Schmo is fighting Vinny Goombox and there's friggin' 20,000 people there all having a great time. Uh, you know, even our best seller, Floyd Mayweather, yes, millions of pay-per-views, no doubt. But he never sold out a huge arena. As a matter of fact, in his last fight, they didn't even against Conor McGregor. They didn't even sell out that that venue. There was still tickets left. And and what did they have? Less than twenty thousand people were able to sit in there. So I mean, come on. Most people here in the states watch it from home. Uh, out in Europe, they go to the fights. It's a big difference. Anyway, oh, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to uh, any uh, updates on. Uh, uh, that fight tomorrow, but don't forget tomorrow uh, we got uh, boxing hall of famer Larry Hazard uh, on the on the show. I can't wait to ask him about uh, his thoughts on the scoring of the uh, AJ against Joseph Parker fight. Also tomorrow, our blast from the past uh, features former multi division world champion Meldrick Taylor. Uh, so you're not going to want to miss uh, Alex Papali's presentation of that. But on this day. April 3rd in boxing history in 1998, Fred Norwood wins a 12-round decision over Antonio Sermano uh, to win the vacant WBA featherweight title to place in Puerto Rico. On this day in 1976, Rigoberto Rocasco knocks out uh, Warug Nakayama in the 10th round to win the newly created uh, World Junior featherweight title, and that took place in Panama City. On this day in 1970, Nicolino Loche wins uh, a WBA World Junior Welterweight Championship belt via a 10-round decision over Martin Juarez uh, in uh, a... I'm sorry, Nicolino Loche, who was the WBA uh, World Junior Welterweight Champ, 
won a 10-round decision over Martin Juarez in a non-title fight, I'm sorry, in Argentina on this day in 1970. Nicolino Loche uh, considered one of the best defensive fighters in the history of the sport. On this day in 1988, Virgil Hill uh, knocks out Jean-Marie Jean Embe uh, in the uh, 11th round to retain his WBA World Light Heavyweight title to place in North Dakota. And finally... On this day, April 3rd in 1992, um, kind of a sad day for me because I was such a big fan, but Greg Haugen knocks out my man Ray Boom Boom Mancini in the seventh round to win the vacant NABF junior welterweight title, and that took place in Reno, Nevada uh, on this day in 1992. Boom Boom, uh, one of my favorite uh, all-time fighters. Hey, boys and girls. Uh, we are going to have a, another uh, busy show tomorrow. Uh, so uh, don't forget to tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs> Dun 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 d